Second editions, revised editions, essential editions, big box editions, what do they all mean? Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to the Tabletop Shop Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Nate Clark. And as always, seated halfway across the world from me is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. Cody, how's it going this week? Okay, what'd you play this week? Nate, I played Allergies. That's what I've been playing. It's very fun. <laughs> are, you, are you playing them or, or are they playing you? That's They're playing the me. Question. They're playing me hard. And <laughs> right my on. dear audience... Our our dear audience, if I sound as though I am dying of the plague, it's not because I'm dying of the plague. It's because I'm dying of allergies. Well, and I'm sorry, Cody. I can't do anything about it. There's only one solution to that, which is just to make you talk more. So I have a question for you: Did you ever finish Risk Legacy? And did you ever play more than the first episode of Risk Legacy? I okay, Nate. I've played twice as much. I've played the first two episodes of Risk Legacy. <laughs> it's a real gripping game. What is that? That's like that's like one play for every two and a half months. Uh, you got it for like ish? Christmas, right? Yeah, but here's the thing: that second play was like one week after the first play, so I just haven't really touched it for like five months. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, but we still own it. We'll we will maybe come back to it at some point. That's do you, my cool story. Do, do you actually think you will? Like, serious question? Uh, probably not. Okay. Well, that's fair. Maybe so, maybe if, like, if you came over at some point and we wanted to pull it out, because we, we can still just play random sides. Like, doesn't matter how the board's the thing been is, impacted in previous games. I feel like we would have to be living in the same area again, because, like, if we're living in different parts of the country, whenever we see each other, we're going to play much, much, much better games than that. So... <laughs> yeah that's a good point <laughs> never mind i guess i'll just go throw it in the garbage all right well let's get down to the nitty-gritty um you've already told me you have an underwhelming list this week do you want to go first or do you want me to yeah well it was going to be moderately <laughs> whelming or sl slightly less whelming oh no i love uh, that until dude. i realized that w one of the things i had, was going to talk about i'd already talked about like some episodes ago yeah. it's just been a while since we recorded so that was 33% of the things that I'm going to bring up. Well. But I'll tell you what I... What, hmm, hmm, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> well said, Cody. Well said. Uh, I was just going to say, do Thanks, you want to go first then and just... I'm assuming you only have two other things to talk about. Should you lead off with that? Uh, yes, I will lead off because it's exciting. Because there are actually two pretty good games that I got okay. in there. I'm, I'm willing to bet, Nate, that my two new games combined are going to oust whatever number of new games you played. You know what? You Maybe. might be right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see. Only time will tell. First that I played, finally, Nate, finally, after so long, I have been meaning to buy this game, but it's an expensive game, and that's mm. why I did not buy it for a long time. And it's a very difficult game. Can you guess what I am spaking of? Barrage? Yes. I have finally acquired and played Barrage. And what an interesting game. Nate, Barrage is as the unholy, but actually holy offspring 
of Scythe and Brass Birmingham. That's that's kind of what it made me think of. And maybe it's not so much similar to Scythe in play style, but you have this little double-sided board thing or like du- dual-layered board that has the insets uh, for all your pieces like Scythe has where you hold like a... <laughs> Is you that, know, all, 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 all your little pieces. Is that the only relation to scythe? Because that's that's kind of well, weak. But, <laughs> but as as you get pieces off of that double sided board, you start revealing bonuses that come into play later. Okay. So you are trying to kind of optimize your board in the same way that you do with scythe or uh, Spirit so Island. Uh, but it it resemble it. It's very close to resembling scythe, though. Is the thing Spirit Islands like you've got you've got some circles and you've got a not double-sided thing. Cody, eloquent as always. (laughs) (laughs) I try, I try, man. So, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty dope like that. Um, How it's similar to brass is there's a lot of some crazy networking and some heavy networking going in. What I was surprised by is I thought, according to the weight on the geek, that this would be really hard to learn. And it, it was moderately difficult to learn, but it really wasn't that terrible. The, it, like, even playing it isn't that hard. What is hard is the strategizing and trying to figure out what the heck you're going to do next. Hmm. Because in order to, in order to, like, produce points, there's, like, three or four different things you have to get in place in connection with each other you have to have a a dam or access to a neutral dam on a certain part of the board that also has water in the dam that you can access you have to then own a conduit that is connected to that dam and that conduit you have to have connected down to one of your own powerhouses somewhere and all those things have to work together at the proper time in order for you to be able to start generating points (laughs) generating yeah (laughs) Good callback joke, bro. Ooh, good sick cackle. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in my ears. So, uh. Uh, well, okay, interesting. Um, I, it sounds like it takes networking to the next level. Like, it sounds like there are even more pieces involved than there are in brass. Is the um, I remember this game also being. I haven't played it, but from what I know, is it also pretty cutthroat? Like, can you be pretty nasty to the other person in it? It can be. I have a suspicion that playing with more than two players, it's going to be much more cutthroat. Because just playing with Kirsten and I, we really were just doing our own thing. And there were maybe a couple of times where we kind of siphoned away, like, water from someone else's area. But, yeah, if you're getting three or four players in there, there, it's not like there's more spaces to build on. Like, it's just the same amount of space. That's what I was going to ask, if the board, if there's this two-sided board or what, or if it's just you have less room with more players uh the only thing that's different with less players is there are less action spaces available because this is also a, a worker placement hmm. so so they at least kind of simpl- simplify it in that way but here's okay here's something i just don't get about the game bro the there's multiple boards there's like three boards in the game and like one large main board then there's like a a small like tracker board and then like a big worker action space board in all of these boards they have a lot of information on them like a lot of symbols and details and lines and text and explanations all these things like it's very complicated but then all all of the main boards are double-sided and if you flip them over they remove all of the details and they just leave the art yeah, and I was like, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of an interesting aesthetic purpose. But then you read in the rule book towards the end, and it's like 
Notice all the all the boards are double-sided. You can use the side without the details for once you've mastered the game. <laughs> well, just me. Like, like, wait. So the only there's nothing's changed except that all of the information's taken away. So it's just like all if you the want the game to look, gone. if you just, it's just if you want the game to look nicer and you have everything memorized. Well, but there's so much to memorize. It's like you you would have to have played this game like a hundred times, really, if not more. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, Scythe. I've I've played Scythe probably one hundred or two hundred times, and I, I couldn't tell you like where where the different um uh, types of spaces are in terms of like what resource they produce or well, the does it take that? Map. It takes that much away. Yeah, like it it removes literally everything except the background art that's there. Huh. Okay. Well, I can. Hmm. Like it, uh, it, that's it removed, weird, it man. Removed, it removes all of the worker places. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it, art. And all their costs and whatnot. <laughs> huh. You know, there's so, another game that does that, but it's on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Targi also does that, actually. And this was one of my complaints. When, when we did our, when we had our Way Brothers channel, I did a video on Targi, and that was one of my complaints, was that the cards are double-sided, the perimeter cards, but the mm -hmm. flip side is just the exact same thing without the text explanation. So it looks cleaner, but functionally there's no change. And I thought that was so stupid because I was like, you had an opportunity to add some more spice into the game, to create more options, more replayability. Mm -hmm. And you didn't, you just took the text off and left the picture. You know, Barrage probably didn't need <laughs> more, like it probably didn't need a B-side <laughs> with like different worker spaces and stuff. Targi did, yeah. and I was pretty angry about that. But that's the only other time I've seen something like that. Hmm. All right. Well, this is okay. What else did you play? This is this yeah. Been a while. <laughs> well, that, well, that was fun. I'm, I'm excited to show you what I'm talking about, though, because because it's yeah, pretty whack. Yeah. The other thing I got to play was Dinosaur Island Rar and Right, oh, yeah, homie, which man. I know you've been intrigued by for, for a while. Sure. It looks really well. That maybe not really complex, but it looks like there's a lot going on for a roll, uh, roll and right, flip and right, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It it is a roll and right. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, there's definitely a lot going on. It, it took a while to learn because it, it plays, you know, a little bit differently from your, your traditional Dinosaur Island game, but it has a lot of the same concepts. So if you've, if you play Dinosaur yeah. Island, you'll, you'll have an advantage That's in learning good. it. Yeah. Um, and I, I pretty much enjoyed it. It is cool that all you need is just your sheets and then the dice. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I guess there is a little board with some, some a, a cards pencil, that can change every game. Oh, yes, and a pencil. Oh, that's right. You need a table. You may need a, a room with walls, potentially. Ceiling is good. Just Maybe gravity case. to keep everything in one spot. Oof, a lot of prerequisites laws to of, play this laws game, Laws of physics. <laughs> yeah, I know. But beyond that, it is pretty cool because you know that Dinosaur Island takes like eight years to set up, and there's like 27 different boards that you have to try to fit onto one space. No exaggeration. So you have the, yeah. <laughs> so then when you have the raw and right, it's like, oh, well, this takes like two seconds and we're ready to play a game. That being said, it, it 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 doesn't really deliver the Dinosaur Island experience in my brain. It's it's not replacing Dinosaur Island. I mean, has there ever been a, a roll and write or flip and write version of a game that was intended to replace the original game? Mm. Like, I wouldn't. That's not what I expected. I just expected it was a new game that would go in your collection alongside Dinosaur sure. Island. Yeah, that's a good point. Perhaps what I mean is that maybe I was just a bit disappointed in how much got lost hmm. thematically with it being a, a roll and write. And the only other 
and right game I've played is cartographers. So flip and right. So I'm not I'm not particularly experienced in that realm. I know, I know you've played a, at least I think a couple others. Yeah, I I'm also don't have a lot of experience though. So. Sure, but with with the rar and right, it just it it really felt like a lot of the thematics got lost. And, and a lot of like the resources, the detail, a lot of the the things you're conscious of while playing Dinosaur Island, it got kind of just lost in the paper. Hmm. Where as opposed to maybe moving up a dial like uh, that you possess DNA on Dinosaur Island, like you move up your little cubes, you just you draw an X or you you cross out something. So it yeah, it's weird, but it really takes out kind of that tactile feel that you're you're doing something. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely still interested by it. If you play it a couple more times and it doesn't strike your fancy, I reckon I'd take it off your hands. Well, it's still fun. I still enjoyed it is the thing. It's just I, I was primarily surprised that the thematic seemed a little bit lost in that sense. Hmm. But maybe that's just my foray into the mm and write series <laughs> of games. How do you write that? Mm and write. Uh, two N's with apostrophe. Two N's? Like my name, N? In right, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what I played this week. I <laughs> went. Um, okay, I played five new games. Although we say week, this is another one where it's been like a month since we recorded. So hmm. that's it's a little different. Um, I will go from worst to best. Um, my number one game is like okay, you know the crew, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but like worse that's what that's what my first game is so Mm. this is i believe that's uh, hard to do (laughs) well just you wait uh i didn't double check i believe this is an antoine bowser design this is hanabi hanabi you sure you haven't already mentioned this one in a previous Mm, episode i mentioned it once uh actually i mentioned it on the christmas episode because the christmas game (laughs) has took the uh, mechanism from this but I'd never played Hanabi before. So, but I'll be brief, because like I said, it's a terrible game. Terrible. Okay, I don't know about terrible. <laughs> okay. I, I despised it. It basically it's the cool fancy thing where you have your hand a card. It's a cooperative game. You have your hand of cards, but your hand, your cards are facing the other players. So you're just looking at the yeah, backs of your cards. Uh-huh. And then everyone's taking turns giving each other hints about either numbers or colors in their hand. And then your people are trying to play cards in ascending order in the different colors. Um, it's a very simple game and I was bored to death and that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, another game I played was more of a dexterity puzzle with that is kind of loosely considered a game, I guess. It's called Dimension. Are you familiar with this at all? No. You might recognize the box cover, you might not. Um, it's like a green cover with a bunch of like balls stacked up on it. Basically what you're doing is you have an indented player board where you can stack um, actual spheres. And you have Dude, a. Dude, that's kind of like Scythe. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Proceed. Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, so there's like five different colored balls, I think, and you flip over like six prerequisite cards or rule cards. And they'll be like green can't touch blue, um, nothing can go on top of orange, you have to have at least three white. It'll have like a bunch of random rules like that. And then you each have like. 30, 45 seconds at the same time to try and build a structure that follow those, follows those rules while still using as many balls as possible and whatever. Um, so like I said, it's more of a dexterity puzzle. 
Uh, we played it a couple times. It was okay, but I feel like after playing it twice, I got everything I there was to get out of the game. I felt like I'd already mastered it, actually. Like, of course, you could just flip over more cards and make it harder, but, like, that's not really fun. So. Sure. Yeah. Don't don't look into it. That's what I would say. Okay. Same. Thanks. Um, my next game is actually one I have played before, but we haven't really talked about it. I believe you've played it also. Istanbul? Uh, no, I have not played that. Oh. Okay. Well, this is one, actually, you should, you, you should look into, because... Okay. Um... I played it a few times when I was in Nepal, actually, um, and another friend here in Germany had it, so we busted it out and played it. Great little game where you have a grid of different worker spaces, kind of, or, or actions, and you have a stack of tokens, and whenever you move, you leave a token behind, and so it's kind of like your, your trail you're leaving, and you can only move as long as you have a, a thing to set aside, but you can also go back to those spaces and pick up the same ones to get more actions, kind of. Hmm. Um, so you're kind of bouncing around all over the board and you're trying to get rubies and you get rubies either by just buying them or like with money, but also there's so many other ways. There's so like, there's like 12 different, uh, tiles you can go to and you can get rubies from a lot of them in a lot of very different ways and they all kind of interconnect. So it's pretty fun, pretty good player interaction because you're all bouncing around on the same board. Um, I think you would really, really like it. I think. Yeah, I think you should look into it, actually, because base game probably isn't too expensive either, and it's pretty fun. So, would would recommend. This may, this may be on my list somewhere. I'm trying to find it. It might have been something you looked into a long time ago and then weren't too interested, forgot about it. I would I would look into it again, because it's, it's, it's a pretty solid game. Aha, it is on my list. It looks like Kirsten was more excited about it because hmm. I have a K next to it. But maybe <laughs> I will acquire it now. <laughs> yeah, I would just say, you know, look into it again. See what you think. But I think it's a well-regarded game. I don't remember who designed it. Um, my next one is much, much older. Uh, from 2003, I believe. This is Alhambra. Um, Alhambra. This is another city-building game, tile-laying city-building game, where you're each building your own city. Um it's pretty interesting because there's a market for the tiles. You don't like draw them out of a bag like Carcassonne. But there's a replenishing market and you use, diff there's like four different currencies that you can use to buy the tiles. But the thing is you're allowed, you're allowed to overpay. But because your, your currency are in cards actually that you also draft. So you can either draft cards oh. or buy tiles. And so, and then you use the cards to buy the tiles. And if you overpay, it's fine. But if you pay the exact amount that the tile costs, then you get to take another turn right away. And so sometimes you can like chain reaction two or three turns or two or three uh, like actions on the same turn if you yeah. have the right cards and you buy things one after the other. So that part of the game is really cool, pretty interesting. The actual tile laying city building part is okay. Uh, the main thing is that you have like this wall that you're trying to build and you're trying to have the wall be as connected as it possibly can be while you're building out. And it's an interesting puzzle trying to, because like obviously wall, uh, pieces with a wall on the side aren't allowed to touch pieces with a city. Wall has to touch wall or nothing. And so mm. it's an interesting puzzle of trying to keep your wall, yeah, as connected and as long as possible. I think it's a good game for 2003. I think if it came <laughs> out, if it came out nowadays, meh. I mean, it's still okay, but I think there's so many, there's been so many evolutions 
within the board gaming world since then that it would be kind of an underwhelming experience. Mm. And it kind of was, you know. But I think for I think for when it came out, it was probably pretty pretty hot. And there's a ton of expansions too. Um, How does it rate as a city building game? As a city building game, I would say. Okay, in general, I don't like city building games because usually the scoring the scoring sucks. The scoring in this one is a <laughs> lot better because, like I said, you're building that yeah. wall, and. You, so there's like five different colored buildings that, you, that can go in your city. And so there's like three scoring points throughout the game. And whenever a scoring point comes up, you compare your city with the other people's. And whoever has the most of each color building in their city will score points and the other person gets second place, whatever. But then also your wall. However long your wall, the largest connected section of your wall is you get a point for every, for, for every section. So I think the scoring is actually a lot better than just like adjacency and all this stuff, you know. So actually, I, I it's not as good as Carcassonne, but it's it's not too bad either. Okay, sorry, I had a I had a big yawn right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, Cody. That's go, right. Yeah, that's great, Nate. Yep. A home, bro. Whatever. <laughs> all right. Uh, my last game. Uh, this one is interesting. I had actually not heard of this game before. I did not know it existed. However, you have played, I don't know if it's a trilogy or if there's just two of them, but you have played the, the first game in this series. And hmm. you might have only played it once with me and then sold it. I don't think you own it still. Uh, Pillars <laughs> of the Earth is the one you've played. This is a trilogy? Uh, it's at least a, a pair. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the right word. <laughs> a, du- a duology. Duality, that's not right. Pair, let's go with pair. <laughs> Uh, it might be a trilogy. The book, okay. the book series that they're, they're based on, is a trilogy. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they weren't too successful after this game. But yeah, by the way, do you still own Pillars of the Earth, or did you? Did you no, no, I don't. Did you ever play it again after we played it? Mm, I don't think I did. I mean, it wasn't that terrible of a game. I guess it just never struck my fancy. I think I was the same way. Like, I don't. I think when we played it, I didn't feel like it was a bad game, but also I had no desire to play it again ever. Like it was such a for- forgettable game to me, and then again, it was one. That, it, it was one that came out a long time ago too. It was a pretty old game, so maybe when it came out, it was more revolutionary. But for us playing it when we played it, it was a, yeah, not a great experience. I think. Yeah, maybe, and just just a very drab Euro style like look to it. It's like mm, it's not particularly exciting. This so this one okay. So I haven't even said the name of the game. So the second game in that series is called World Without End, and. This it's it's ranked much lower than Pillars of the Earth. Pillars of the Earth is I think I think still in the top two hundred I think, and this one is like in the top five hundred or something like that. It's five hundred something. Um, I was really hesitant like to to play it just because I didn't have didn't recall Pillars of the Earth too fondly, and I knew this one was ranked even lower. But I still wanted to try it. But I was like, this is not going to be a good game, and. I was shocked at how much I liked this game. Like, if we do our, you know, you know what we did last year where we did like our top 10 games of the year that we played or whatever? Yeah. This is guaranteed to be on that list if we do it again. And I don't, it's going to be high on the list too. Because this absolutely knocked my socks off, man. So I'll I'll describe it pretty briefly. But, and again, it doesn't have a great look either. Um, I think kind of similar to Pillars of the Earth, it's a lot of just browns and grays and kind of washed out colors. It doesn't look so great. But 
There's some really cool things in it. One is that you have a hand of 12 cards, but you're only going to take six actions. And it has the kind of Kemet system where you play a card and discard a card every turn. So you are having to plan ahead and already, but every turn you're having to make a decision on a card you're not going to play this, uh, mm. this round and you don't get a chance to get it back, you know? So I like that, that it forces you to think ahead instead of like you get to keep all 12 cards and just be flexible. I like that it forces you to think ahead. But it has this other cool system of event cards. And yeah, okay, event cards, sometimes they suck. Sometimes they're annoying in games. They're not too bad in this one, but what I like about them is that every event card has a, a bonus in each corner of the card. And depending on which way you rotate the card, everybody gets what's pointing at them. So... You know, like there's like a resource in this corner and some money in that corner and some points in that corner and some other token in that corner. And the person who's like the first player gets to pick which way it's rotated and then everybody gets what's pointing towards them. So that's really cool because you're doing that every single huh. round. Um, so that's kind of a fun little like, hey, you're getting stuff for free. You know, everybody likes getting stuff for free, especially in board games. Um, but then also the person that picks the rotation, there's a little arrow on the side and it either points to zero, one, two, or three. Whichever number it points to, there's a little dial at the bottom, and the first player gets to move the token along however many times the arrow's pointing to, and they get another bonus. And so it's really cool. There's so much free stuff in this game, but at the same time it has, at the end of each six rounds, you have to meet certain requirements. You have to pay in like three different currencies, and if you don't, you get punished hard. Like, as hard as Agricola, if not harder. And so, but again, it's not too hard to get resources. So anyways, I just... I think you should look into it. I don't know if you can really find a copy. Maybe it's out of print. But I, like I said, I was just shocked at how, how much I liked this game. Because it was, yeah. I mean, it was a solid two-hour experience, too. And I haven't played a nice long Euro since I've been in Germany. So that was also another, maybe that was part yeah. of the reason I liked it so much. <laughs> Ironic that you haven't played a nice long Euro since you've been in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> It is very sad. Yeah. But like, why did you even go there, bro? <laughs> yeah, that's why I came here. Yeah, no other reason. <laughs> Anyways, that's my list. All right. And I, wow, this is this is going to be a long episode, man. All right, let's. Yeah, now that we've spent like 30 <laughs> minutes having having tried to revise our system so that we spend less time doing this. Yeah, yeah, we did. But the thing is, we got to record more often, maybe, so that we don't have so many. But we didn't have, you had two games and I had five, but still, whatever. All right, game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. Okay, uh, our game of the week is the third game we've done from this publisher, or the fourth game we've talked about? Third? Fourth? Ooh, good good question. I mean, over, over the course of the podcast, yeah. I'm sure we've talked about... Well, I mean, as the game of the all week. Of the, all of the games from this publisher that we've played. But yeah, as game of the week, I don't want to spoil it. I was going to start listing the other ones that we've done. Okay, I'll spoil it. I don't think we've talked about Wingspan, so I think Scythe, Tapestry, and now Viticulture, right? All right. Viticulture. Hey, look at that. Viticulture. Essential edition. Uh, essential edition, Cody. That's Specifically. Very important because we haven't played the original edition. And actually ties in a little bit to our board banter. Uh, not on purpose, Ooh. but it's all connected, Ooh. dude. Ooh, okay. Well, let, let's, let's yeah. hey, tease him a little bit, but reel it in. Let's talk about Viticulture, <laughs> maybe. 
I'm again, Cody. I know you don't like explaining games, but I feel like if you're the person who owns the game, you're obligated. <laughs> so take it away. I I feel comfortable explaining this yeah. one, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Viti Culture, a Stonemeyer game, as we already established. But I wanted to say it. I'm stalling for time. I'm trying to think of how to explain <laughs> how does, the game. What it's happens? all very exciting. <laughs> okay, worker placement, Cody. I'll help you out. Worker placement, grapes. Go. Yep. Hey, shut up. Worker placement <laughs> game, and there's grapes. Well, for those who aren't familiar with the idea of viticulture, this is the cultivation of vita, I guess, or wine production. Oh I, I don't know the etymology of <laughs> this word. Did you say word. the cultivation of vita? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, Cody. Oh, Cody. Uh, well, but what's weird is, like, vita is Latin for life. So is that is that what this is coming from? Is, is, is Rome trying to say that wine is life? If I'd known I was going to be quizzed, I would have done my homework, but... Yeah, well, you, sh- you should have done it anyway. But viticulture, yeah, you're making wine, but you have to do stuff in order to make the wine. So this is a worker placement game, a classic boxing out game with some twists, specifically if you have the Essential Edition. If you don't have the Essential Edition, this is a, uh, a significantly less exciting worker placement game. But in order to make that wine, you got to do a lot of stuff along the way. So you have a couple fields at your disposal. You're going to have to plant some different vine types. Um, When you get later in the different seasons, you're going to have to harvest those vines to get your grapes. Then you're going to have to turn those grapes into wine. And you might think, oh, I've made wine. Now I'm done. No, you have to make (laughs) wine for a purpose. There has to be a reason why you're doing all this. And so this is a contract fulfillment game where there are different wine orders that require different combinations of different qualities and ages and types of wines that you then trade in and you get some points. And it's all very exciting. You know what I have to say? I'm really disappointed there hasn't been, like, a cheese expansion for this game. <laughs> Why would there be a cheese expansion? Wine and cheese, man. Isn't that a thing? That's the thing. Well, but you don't make them at the same time. Those are different production facilities, bro. Listen, they made a Tuscany expansion. Grapes and cows. They made the Tuscany expansion. I feel like they could have gone a cheese direction with it instead of the direction they went. Do you think we could make a living off of producing parody board games? I think you could get into a lot of lawsuits and never have a living. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> it's only it's only if Jamie Stegmaier wants to press charges. Like I, I feel like if we make a game called Grapes and Cheese, I don't think he'd mind that much. Grapes and cheese. <laughs> I would not buy a game called Grapes and Cheese. Although <laughs> although I am interested in a game called Beer and Bread. Have you have you heard of that one? Uh, I've played Heaven and Ale. No, Cody. Does that count? No, beer. No, no one likes Heaven and Ale. Come on, nobody likes. That I game. love no, Heaven and Ale. Not that Shut good. up. It's not that good. Cody. No, Beer and Bread <laughs> is like a, a a game that just came out last year, I think, and it's like a two player a two player only Euro, but it looks. Huh. Yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> Anyways, what are we? And now for cheese. our game of the week, Beer and Bread. <laughs> uh, cheese, great. Uh, viticulture. Okay, so viticulture. What a phenomenal game, man. I feel like this is. Whoa. Throw, throwing your cards in early, homie. I, I got to do it, man. I mean, come on. I, I, we haven't talked about viticulture too much, but I feel like when it's come up, it's been pretty clear that we're like, yeah, it's a good game. And the thing is, if you like, I feel like, anyways, in general, if you, I don't know, maybe this is wrong, actually. Do you think people who like some Stonemaier games tend to like most other Stonemaier games? I don't know if that's a direct correlation because all the games are pretty different. What unites them is that they're high quality. Yeah. So I, I suppose if you... Well, but they are all like mid to slightly above mid-weight Euro games. So if you like mid-weight Euro games and you like well-done mid-weight Euro games that actually have good like 
thematics to them, then yeah, you're going to like all of these. And so I think I think maybe there is, but I mean, you and I both fall into this category, and I'm assuming if we do, probably a lot of other people do. Like mid mid weight euros with high quality production, like you were saying. Like of course, uh, yeah, I'm all in, man. So, anyways, um, with exciting themes like making wine, <laughs> making wine, pendulum. Actually, pendulum is kind of the outlier because that's a weird game. Yeah, and rolling realms also. They've had some misses, but all right, we haven't really talked about anyway. The game. <laughs> okay, since I already since I already showed my hand, like you said, I said the game was amazing. Although I do have good and I do have bad to say. So. Oh, I mean, I'll start, okay. with, I'll start with the good, of course. I feel like we always do that. And the good, of course, outweighs the bad because I do love this game quite a bit. Uh, so let's talk first about the split board. I, I feel like I am just, what is it, beating a dead horse? That's the expression, right? I feel like I say this a lot, but I really appreciate games <laughs> that take something like uh, worker placement or card drafting. Those are two of the big ones, and they do it in a different way. And... Viticulture does it in a very interesting way where there are four seasons and everyone can place their workers, as many as they want or none if they want, in the first season. And once everybody's passed on that season, then everyone moves on to the next season and then the next and then the next. And you have to space your workers out wherever you want them throughout the year. And then once the year is over, you get all your workers back. And again, that's such an interesting, it's like, you don't. You only have a quarter of the board unlocked, and once everybody's done with that quarter of the board, then the next quarter unlocks, and then the next, and then the next. But you only have like th- what three, maybe four workers at the beginning of the game, and so it's it's figuring out how to use those, and it feels like you're doing nothing kind of towards the beginning of the game. <laughs> but I think that's a really yeah. good system. It's another unique twist on worker placement. Instead of making the workers so special, although it's done that also, it's actually making the board something unique and special and interesting. So I like that quite a bit, for sure. Yeah, I will say the it's specifically Tuscany where the board is set into quarters. Uh, if you if you have the base game, I think is it just half? No, like summer and winter actions. The thing this is the problem. I don't think either of us has played just Viticulture without Tuscany for a while. I thought there were still four seasons though. I'm yeah, uh, there are, there are, man, there definitely are. Well, there's four seasons, but they're not they're not like four action spaces. I I want to say the other two seasons are just kind of like transitions. I'm, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> this is sad, dude. This is our game of the week, tippy, and we tippy, can't tippy, actually remember. <laughs> to be fair, it's not because we haven't played the game; it's because we played it so much with an expansion that actually adds in a different board. So you are gonna have to fact check us here. Well, yeah, it, it revolutionizes the game. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. There, there's only two colors. It's yellow and blue. So you've got your summer actions and then your winter actions. Really? Yeah, man. Man, base viticulture sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I take back everything I said. Tuscany's the real winner. <laughs> what a shining endorsement. Uh, no, it's still a good game, but like honestly, just by the Tuscany expansion. <laughs> <laughs> Game of the week now, uh, Viticulture with Tuscany expansion. You know what I love? I love when games Essential Edition. I love I love I love in this game where it splits the board up into four. You know what I like less when it splits it up into two, but that's still acceptable. Because it's still <laughs> yeah, kind that's of interesting. Not, that's not revolutionizing <laughs> at all, right? Okay, well uh, at least the idea was there and then it was perfected later. But anyways, I still yeah. like that general idea, and thank you for keeping me honest, because obviously yeah, I, I don't welcome. remember anything about this game. Uh, I like though, maybe this is where I was confused. Oh, I'm still confused. No, there are four different stacks of cards. <laughs> there are four different stacks of cards, right? Four different colors. Well, in cards. Tuscany, there's five, so ha. Yeah, yeah, the orange You're cards. You're still right. wrong. No, 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 but okay, we're, we're ignoring Tuscany now. We're just talking about base game. Um, sure. 
I like that there's so many cards and there's an insane, I think they're all, except maybe in the, maybe in the, okay, in the, in the action card stacks, the two action card stacks, I think those are all totally unique cards. There's a lot of cards in there too. And then you have yeah. your, well, the, the vis- visitor cards, visitor cards, That's right. And then you have your planting cards and then your order cards. There's so many cards in this game though. And I love that. There's a bit of a problem with it too that I'll get to later. But I like I like a game that has so many cards because it adds so much variety. And this Viticulture mm-hmm. does that really well. Yeah, that's pretty that's a cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, between the the planting cards and the wine order cards, those do have multiple sure. duplicates in them. Just because it's I mean, you can't have all of them be different. Like those are more of a a basic function of the game that you need it's those the visitor cards that really add a lot of twists since all of them do have different abilities that you can use like they're they're not required to play the game like you well i suppose you could i suppose it's not required to get planting cards or orders as well but you're gonna lose <laughs> what is the, we have to define play right <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> although in tuscany ah dang it we're not talking, Cody, about, don't tuscany. talk about tuscany <laughs> uh, if you get tuscany you can win other ways that's all okay <laughs> uh okay here's another thing that's interesting that i never thought about before you used to and you came around on dune but you used to complain a bit about dune about how it was more of a race game viticulture is actually the same way it's actually a race to whatever 20 25 points something like that yeah sure it's actually exactly the same whoever crosses that barrier first probably <laughs> will win but somebody could pass them up still it just triggers the end of the game but it feels like a race still even though it's just an end game trigger Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Viticulture has a bit more flexibility and less punishingness within that because Dune, and again, yes, I have come around. I enjoy Dune a lot more. It's really moved up my list. But Dune, like, one point is a lot. Like, the game ends at 10 points. You're scrapping over these points. With Viticulture, it doesn't end until 25. So the the things you're doing um, are, are a bit more interesting than just fighting over a single point, you know? But here's the thing. I feel like in Viticulture... There can be a runaway winner, and if you're, what's that? What, so what is the end? Is it twenty five? Is that the end? I think it's twenty five. It may be different in Tuscany. <laughs> probably is. We're not I talking about 30. Tuscany at all. <laughs> okay, so twenty five, <laughs> right? Twenty five. If somebody's sitting at twenty and you're sitting at twelve, it's over. Like because also, be, most of the time, that person has enough going on that they're gonna, they're still gonna, they have a good enough engine that they've developed. They have all their workers, whatever. If you're behind by eight points that like halfway through the game, you're probably not going to win. Whereas in Dune, mm-hmm. if somebody's sitting at eight points and you're sitting at five, things could still go your way. I feel like it's more likely for you to catch up in Dune when you're behind like that than it is in Viticulture. I feel like it's a little more written in stone in Viticulture. I'll, I'll allow that. You're right. Viticulture is a terrible game. Yeah, it's just awful. You know, you know what helps Viticulture? Yeah. You know what makes it better? <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm not gonna say it Tuskity. you're gonna say it. all right no, okay i said uh, it too late last thing I, last thing i want to mention is just of course production quality phenomenal I, I, I this one doesn't have anything too special like too really special about it except the the little glass magnifying things are pretty cool yeah you put on your, those are pretty your cool grape spots everything else is like just half marbles everything else is just good quality there's nothing else too special about it but it's a very satisfying production art looks great yeah, I think it's it's a phenomenal looking and feeling game for sure. As with yeah. all Stonemaier productions. Indeed. 
Well, one of the main things you did not mention, which I'll take the liberty of mentioning, is the grande worker. That really is one of the more revolutionary concepts that really made viticulture, specifically the essential edition, shine. Because there was no grande worker in the, the standard edition. Wait, so when you, And I don't know if there's other editions. I don't think so. <laughs> when, you say, yeah. when you say revolutionary, what do you mean? Because I think Carcassonne did it before the essential edition did it. Did they? Oh, I, maybe not. Carcassonne's... No, Carcassonne's from like 03, I think, man. And even if it wasn't an expansion, mm. I think the Grande Worker was part of Carcassonne before. Okay. Well, maybe not revolutionary, but it definitely sets the game apart. Like it it, it revolutionized its own game, going from the standard yeah. to the essential edition. But the concept of you're not you're not necessarily boxed out and locked out if someone has filled the remainder of the spaces that you want to go on. If you keep your grande worker, you can always put your grande worker on an action space, whether or not the available locations in that space are filled up. So you're trying to hold on to him as late as possible in order to to play him. But it, that's the thing. It's the it's those visitor cards, man. Sometimes those can those can give you some. Some unique twists that you can incorporate, especially with Grande Workers. There's one that, like, lets you recall all your workers from, like, a previous season, Yeah, I think. So maybe you'll play your Grande Worker on one spot to take advantage of that and then recall them and then use them again later. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, man. Is there, That's good. Is there, we should play this game. We should. Is there any, any other good stuff you want to mention? I am impressed that they took a game about making wine and made it so popular. There are other that's, there are other wine making games. Um, Vinhos is the one that comes to mind. I've wanted to look into that one. I think it's heavier. Oh, is that like one of? Isn't that like a Roman one? A what am Roman I thinking of? one? What do you mean? Is it like Roman themed? Uh, Vinhos. This is, this is... Wow, it, it even even looks like viticulture, yeah. like on the cover. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> there's not, there's <laughs> yeah, only so well. much wiggle room in that genre. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, well, let's let's move on to the bad. Um, and honestly, there's really only one negative thing I have to say about this, which is that, honestly, the base game kind of blows without Tuscany. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all you got that's all you got no i'm just kidding but actually as as we're talking about it i am realizing how much better the game is with tuscany but mm. the base game is still really solid and all the pros all the good things i said apply to the base game there are a couple drawbacks i think one is like i already mentioned or alluded to earlier the first two maybe even three seasons can be a slow slow burn it can feel like you're not doing much and there's so much you need to do, but you only have like three, maybe four workers, like I said. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a really slow crawl towards the beginning. And then it really ramps up. But I feel like the beginning's just, it's, it's kind of a little too slow for me, I feel like. Once you hit mid-game, then things really start to get interesting. But that's, that's one thing that I have a bit of a problem with. Also, the cards, coming back to the cards. There are so many cards, but of course, the more unique cards you add into a game, the more difficult it is to balance those cards. And sometimes you draw amazing, perfect, just the best card ever. <laughs> and sometimes you draw the most worthless piece of crap. <laughs> and it costs you the same action it costs somebody else to get a perfect, amazing card. And that can be yeah. really annoying sometimes. So that's another, that's another problem I have with it, for sure. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Um, the last thing I mentioned, actually I wrote down after playing Tuscany, the base game is too dependent on contract fulfillment. 
the main way you score points is through completing wine orders. And I feel like that makes the game a little too narrow focused uh, strategy wise. There are still some avenues you can pursue, but it all comes down to fulfilling contracts. And if you don't, you're not going to win. Tuscany adds a lot more avenues for scoring and makes it things a lot more interesting. So I think the base mm -hmm. game, that's one problem I have with it. However, if you're a person that really, really digs contract fulfillment, then this is probably, you probably wouldn't have a problem with that. So that's, that's much more of a personal preference thing. I feel like we should clarify, though, that we we loved Viticulture <laughs> before we had played Tuscany. Yeah. So it, it's still a phenomenal game by itself. I think now that we played Tuscany and we consider going back to the base game, we're just like, ugh. But that's, that's, even, that's even better. It's like they took a good game, maybe even a great game, and they made it even greater to the point that once you play an expansion, you don't want to go back. And I think that's a really good thing, too. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not just an expansion. It's almost like a, a third edition in a, in a way. <laughs> the even more essential edition. Yeah, the essentialer, essentialist edition. Yeah, I guess what I'll jump on for things maybe I don't as much enjoy about the game, which are really just nitpicky. Uh, I, I had a tough time really thinking of stuff I dislike. Um, I will just touch on you, you talking about kind of that curve of the game of how the first couple of seasons, it feels slow and then it really accelerates. That I, I don't actually mind that very much. To me, that's just kind of a unique trait of the game where it's like, okay, it's again, one point, two points, five points. Oh, 25, the game's over. <laughs> like, I, I, I think once you've played enough viticulture, you can kind of sense where that shift is going to be and you just learn how to work with it, you know? Yeah, I get it. Uh, I, I mean, again, I'm kind of, for some reason, I'm kind of comparing this again to Dune in my head, thinking about that game's also mm. kind of a slow crawl. But Dune has those combats at the end of every single round from the very first round. And that already is something yeah. exciting and interesting happening, you know, really early on in the game. Whereas in Viticulture, I feel like nothing exciting happens within the first 20 minutes of playing the game. <laughs> but here's the thing. As I'm thinking about Tuscany, as much as I love <laughs> Tuscany, there are times that I do actually miss the simplicity of the base game. Hmm. And it's not like I can't play it. Like, I still own the base game. Uh, but maybe it was just because... Viticulture was one of the starter games that kind of really got us into the hobby. It was kind of like Scythe. There were a couple others. I got Viticulture maybe a few months after that, I think. Maybe it was longer, but I when I think back to to the early to the early days, the early <laughs> gaming days, I also think a lot of Viticulture because we played a lot of Viticulture, bro. Yeah, we did. And it it definitely is a pretty peaceful experience while still having a lot of enjoyment. And Tuscany I think makes it a little bit more busy, a little bit more active. Sure, it fixes some things, but it makes it uh, almost almost like there's ways to do anything and everything. I don't know if I would call the base game peaceful. I feel like that's a stretch. <laughs> it, peaceful in certain parameters. Maybe thematically, but I feel like as far as the actual the stress of playing the game, I don't, I don't know if I would describe it as a peaceful game. Well, more more peaceful than Tuscany, I would say. Well, sure, you know, but I don't think that like that's like saying Dune is peaceful just because it's less peaceful once you add in Rise of X. You know, it's like well, it's not a peaceful game. It's a, maybe a little <laughs> bit more chill, but huh. yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, with I you. I don't I don't know. It's because I I don't necessarily define an unstressful game as peaceful. Like yeah, there, there's some stress in Viticulture, but the overall experience to me is 
like like pretty relaxing. Well, that's just the the combination. That's fair. Of the the visuals and whatnot. But anyway, I I need to start ripping on the game. Rip right? on it, okay, man. Let's just tear it to shreds. Rip on it. Viticulture, you have tiny cards. I hate Ooh, those. Yeah. They're so hard to shuffle. You know, know what I'm saying? All right, they actually are kind of cute. And like when you look at them, you think this is viticulture. But I do wish they were easier to shuffle. Yeah. Just because they're they're pretty thick decks of these little tiny cards, and it's like it's, 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 yeah. you bought you Small bought cards, an automatic shuffler. Does it fit tiny cards like that? Oh, I think that would be a nightmare. Putting those in there, I'd probably like start spinning them all sideways. Or they get, get all yeah. mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, come on, Stonemeyer. I know you've you've. Oh, I okay. I know his name is Stegmeyer. I'm referring to the company Stonemeyer. I feel like I've been corrected on that before, and I, I do know that the, the guy's <laughs> name is not Stonemeyer. <laughs> just to clarify, but Stonemeyer Games, it, why did it take you until Scythe to figure out the dual layered board? Couldn't you have done that in Viticulture? Because every time you bump your board, all of your little like half marble shiny wine pieces and grape pieces just go flying everywhere, and there's no way to remember where you had them, like what values they were on. Hmm. I, I feel That's like I complaint. don't recall that happening that often in viticulture hmm. hmm seems suspicious well, that's my Cody. <laughs> i'm still filing it formally <laughs> okay well it might sound like we hate this game <laughs> you know i was not expecting to come into it with such a negative attitude i love viticulture man like even the base what game, a good game lots of what good a memories game. it's a great game but by Tuscany. Uh, yeah, just by Tuscany. Sorry, that's just buy them together. You know, that's that's all there is about that. Well, well, you can't you can't just buy Tuscany. You have to have viticulture no, I said, and Tuscany. I said buy them together. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that'd be pretty funny. Uh, well, maybe funny, but also kind of sad if one of our listeners just went out and just bought Tuscany. They're like, this game is garbage. <laughs> our recommendation, and then they gave us a one star review on our podcast. <laughs> the, they thumbed down Please all don't. of our YouTube videos. Unsubscribed. <laughs> Terrible people out there, man. Who would do that? Even though they weren't subscribed. Yeah, come on. You listeners, go out there and subscribe. Man, what's your problem? Yeah. Yeah, come on, guys. Give us a five-star review. Yeah, even if you don't like us, just help a brother out. We're all struggling. We're all trying to get... Help a brother's out. We're trying to get out of the nine to five, all right? And if you give us five-star reviews, maybe you can help somebody get there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someday we'll make that Patreon we keep talking about, and you can go and send us money. Yeah, all right. And we'll use it to get nate a better recording studio than an attic you can just give me a plane ticket home that would work (laughs) (laughs) well your wife needs a visa first right all right we're going off the rails here man let's uh let's move on from our game of the week now that we're almost an hour into the podcast (laughs) it's time to banter about a board let's do it man okay uh so i don't we don't know exactly how this is going to work so we're talking about second editions all things second editions this game Mm -hmm. this this, uh this episode this i i would like to submit a correction we're gonna we're gonna talk about all things edition edition with an a or with editions no edition edition all right well i guess you can i don't i don't know what did you change exactly you took the second out yeah there's there's no second are there third editions to games there well I'll just explain, man. <laughs> screw screw uh, your intro. Well, this is my no, intro. No, no, now. no. I'm taking it back over. Hostile takeover. So this is kind of yeah, a, right, this it. is kind of a throwback actually to the Way Brothers days, where we would actually just sit sit down and talk about just a topic. You know, I feel like nowadays it's mm-hmm. always like designer spotlights or lists or something like that. I think we did a couple or like a specific question. Yeah, I think we did a couple more just kind of talking about a topic towards the beginning of the podcast, but we're coming back to it, man. Uh, and so. 
I'm excited. So I think I think what we're kind of doing is we're going to do a back and forth kind of a firing questions at each other and then both answering it, I guess, and just talking about it. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking. I got I've got some stuff written down. It's I, all very exciting as well. And I'm guessing we have probably some crossover questions somewhat. But why don't you start out and maybe you can explain what you were trying to cryptically explain earlier. <laughs> sure. Well, as I was thinking about this, I realized that the, the, the original question was the second edition dilemma. That's that's what we right. had originally written down as a board banter idea. Like if a second edition of a game comes out, do you buy it? And then we decided that's possibly wouldn't be very much to talk about. <laughs> well, so we're just, you know what? We're just, yeah. I'll tell you what, Cody, you put our episode at right about an hour if we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, all right. Nate, the second edition dilemma. What do you think? Crap. <laughs> okay, right. Good answer. No, but as I was thinking about this, well, we, we had decided to draw this out like we were talking into into the Way Brothers Days style of just kind of going back and forth about a generalized topic. So not so much the second edition dilemma, but just second editions. But as I was reflecting, as I was doing my own personal homework into my own brain earlier, I realized that it's it's a lot more complicated than just second editions. You have second editions, you have revised editions, you have essential editions, viticulture, nah. You have sequels even, so like Dinosaur Island versus Dinosaur World. You have Big Box, like Caverna, Cave versus Cave. You've got that, and then you have an expansion that you can get for it, or you can buy the Big Box edition that has both of the, the base game and the expansion. This is a more complicated world than we realize. I don't know if I agree with everything you said. I think a lot of, I feel like half of what you just said doesn't fall into the category for example like you said um dinosaur world and uh, dinosaur island to me those are they're in the same they're under the same ip if you will but they're they're Mm -hmm. separate games you know it's it's not i mean they might have some similarities but i don't know if that would fall under the second edition discussion cody or would it that's okay i haven't played i haven't played dinosaur world yet (laughs) so so i don't actually know the direct comparisons with it but it it is still a sequel though and i know sequels have maybe maybe they're in a different ballpark from editions but it's the same idea where you've taken a a base concept and really messed with it but if if you're going to say it's different then i would beg the question at what point does something move from this is a revised edition or an essential edition or this is now a second edition at like what point does it become a different game where it's considered a sequel well it's it's decided upon by either the designer or the production company right maybe maybe sure, but but, may- but how do they base that beyond just like changing the name well i don't think it i don't i mean i could be wrong here but i don't think they set out to make a second edition of a game and then by the end of it, they realize, you know what, this is a different game. There's too many differences. Let's just make it a different game. I don't think that happens that way. I think somebody either sets out to make a second edition of a game or they set out to make a sequel. Okay, sure. But but it's still within the same realm, though, of taking an original concept and then modifying it. Because Dinosaur World, like, you're still building a park. You know, there's things you're, you're putting well, into your let me, let me say this, facilities. Cody. Let me say this. I would say if you sat down and played Dinosaur World, and it was too similar to Dinosaur Island, you would say, you know what, this doesn't feel like a standalone game. This feels more like Dinosaur Island 2nd Edition. Hmm. Right? So I think there is a difference. It's not just how how different... Well, I think it is, it's more about just how different are they. You know, If you're going to make a standalone game, it has to be significantly different 
from a game that came before it. Whereas if you're making a second edition, there needs to be a lot in common, but you need to add some stuff in and make some some changes, some fixes if it's needed. So I think there's a okay. I think there's a difference. But you know what, Cody, I'll allow it. I'd say that we can talk about both. We already we already have. So you know what, you suckered me into well, a good job. Well, well, no, no, no. <laughs> that was my whole point is just bringing up this this comparison. Like that's what I wanted to discuss, and you have answered it. So good work. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that was a good leadoff question. We've established our grounds Thanks. for operating. Uh, here's my first question. Well, but but well, go ahead. but may, may, I think maybe we actually need to dive into that a little bit go more ahead. for the, the the nuances of second versus revised versus essential edition. So, like I know anachrony. There's anachrony essential edition, viticulture essential edition, where you've taken a game and as opposed to introducing an expansion, you've just kind of messed with it a little bit, and made it better. Well, but how does that differ from a second edition? Okay, here's what I know about Anachrony. And actually, you're the one who's played it, although neither of us has played the non-essential the yeah, non edition. I think, I think there's some confusion of terms, actually. So Viticulture Essential Edition is actually, I think, just another way of saying second edition. It's, it's okay. the second edition of Viticulture, right? There's base there was the first printing, first edition of Viticulture. There were problems. They made changes. They released a second edition called the Essential Edition. Anachrony Essential Edition is, I think, I believe they took Anachrony and they took out a lot of the stuff that's kind of that was in the. I think the Essential Edition in Anachrony means the base, stripped down edition with all, all the other expansions and add-ons and everything because I think it was a Kickstarter and so I think there were a lot of tiers and whatever and I think your base pledge was the essential edition so it only had the essentials whereas mm, Viticulture essential edition was just a fancy way of saying second edition okay all right okay okay all right but what about revised editions Nate okay well give me an example because off the top of my head uh, that, that's dang it that's what I was just trying to think of <laughs> I know I've seen that term where'd this question possibly come from possibly in a game I possess <laughs> That's what I want to know. Well, it's it's a thing. Is it? Uh, I, I believe you. It's a bummer I can't just not really? search revised edition in board game. Revised Geek. edition. Oh, oh Agricola. Yeah. yeah, that's Agricola. right. Agricola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agricola revised yeah, here's, edition. Here's so what I'll say. Second edition. Yeah, here's what I'll say. Is about that an that. essential edition? I think that's just another way of saying second edition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Answered that question. Well, that's, that's what we're here to discuss, man. <laughs> that's that's my All right. Answer. Well, how do you feel about how do you feel about big big box editions? Bake box. Okay, that's a totally different realm, I think, because that's like usually you get a big box is when you've had a game that was successful, had multiple expansions and upgrades, whatever, and then they re-release it because they're money hungry and they throw all that kind of stuff in and make it actually a bigger box. So the core game actually might be identical to the first edition of the game, but they just threw in all the expansions too. Like if you buy Terraforming Mars big box, I think the, the base game that comes in there is still exactly the same from what I know, but there's expansions thrown in and other stuff thrown in, right? So the big box is right. just like your deluxe version, kind of. Okay. Well, I've, I've got something else to throw at you then. The Everdell Complete Collection, which is very expensive, I think... includes all, all the expansions, new expansions, and then basically deluxifies everything. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that maybe falls into the same realm as, as big box. I feel like I'm on trial here, Cody. You're just like, you're just, <laughs> I don't know. Nate, explain this. Explain just, that. Explain I'm this. just going down the list. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I have, I have one final thought, one final thought along this line for okay. you. 
different printings. Take Akrotiri, for example. If you look up Akrotiri on the Geek, there are not multiple editions. There's only one entry. But we know that, depending on if you have a first or second printing, the pieces can be different colors. Because reasons. Okay. I actually have a question. Let, let me ask you a question that, that ties into this and ties into what, what we've been talking about. Um, one, thing, okay. one thing I wanted to ask was, should games be called second edition? So like Battlelore, for example. Battlelore second edition. Or should they be named differently? So you have Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire, right? Birmingham's kind of like a second edition, but they, they actually gave it a different name instead of calling it second edition. Or do you just do no nominal change whatsoever? So Carcassonne and Catan are great examples of this, where <laughs> if you look at the very first printing of those games versus the current printing, it's still the base game, it's still just called Carcassonne, but there it's a, it's a, it's a different game. I mean, it's not, it's not fundamentally different, but a lot of things have changed. Art has changed. Some of the pieces that come in the game have changed. Some things are missing. Some, some things have been added. But it's never been called second, third, whatever edition, right? Mm -hmm. It's still just called Carcassonne. Just a different printing. So you have that also. Uh, I, there's another part to that question, but that, that's enough for now because that kind of is what you were just asking also, right, with the, with the Akrotiri. Sure. Um, I, I'm confused. What, what exactly are you asking? Well, I was saying, like, bro? if you make a second edition, how do you decide which direction you're going to go with the naming. Like, do you just call it second edition? Mm. Do you have the opportunity, like with Brass, to just kind of throw a different name in to give it some more flair? Or do you just do nothing? Like with Carcassonne, Akrotiri, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really have an answer for that. I Well, I guess what it made me think of is on Board Game Geek, for example, if you look up Catan, I think you're also only going to find one entry. Yeah. So I wonder if there's any sort of planning that goes in on the publisher's side of recognizing like, okay, if this, this is going to become a different entry, this is a different entity, even though it's the same thing, basically, just with some upgrades. So I, I would imagine it would largely come down just to marketing really? purposes. You know? I would say that, 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 that'd be my guess. I would guess it has more to do with the quantity of things that are being changed. I would guess if you looked at every edition of Catan, one from the other, I would guess the changes are so small that if they re-released it as a second edition, like the second printing was released as a second edition, quote unquote, mm -hmm. people would be disappointed because there wouldn't, it wouldn't be that much different. So I would say the changes between the printings are so subtle that it's, it wouldn't be enough to justify calling it a second edition. Mm -hmm. But comparing like the most current edition to the original edition... That's right, like but those, it's been a slow... Those are pretty dang different. But it's, but it's been a slow evolution, right? They were all baby steps, baby steps. And here we are, you know, it's like one thing led to another and it got out of hand and now we're playing a, a different game almost. <laughs> uh, so it's like a game of viticulture, you know, where you've got like one point, then two points, and now you're at 25 points, yeah, right? Yeah, Catan is at 25 points. Yeah. <laughs> the game ended a long time ago. <laughs> Which is, I feel no like it's fair. It I feel like Catan peaked a long time ago and for some reason... There's still like Catan this, Catan that. It's like, just stop, all right? It's, it's past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. past its prime. Sure. That actually leads me into, I wasn't really going to talk about this much because I, I know it is pretty different. But now you have derivative games. So like Catan the Dice yeah. Game or Race for the Galaxy versus Roll for the Galaxy. You know, obviously those are different games. Are they even considered sequels at that point, though? Or would you just say they're a derivative game? Well, this is like what you were saying with Dinosaur Island, Dinosaur World, Dinosaur Roaring, right? I would say they're all different separate games that might have some similarities especially in theming 
but they're all their own independent thing. And I wouldn't say there's any kind of an addition word that should be tossed around. Hmm. Very well. <laughs> Good time. We have some silences to cut out of this episode, but we'll cut yeah, it down in an hour. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. As you're listening to what probably says like 125 on the total listening time. Okay, so here's a question for you. What sure. is the appropriate time for a second edition from the first edition? Hmm. And what are the factors that play into, into that, that time length? That is a, a, good, a good question. Um, I would say, as a general rule, like probably a couple years or so. And I think there has to be demand as well. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, like if you're producing Mythotopia and then you're like, hey, here's Mythotopia second edition for all two people that are interested. To <laughs> that would try. be a very bad business decision. <laughs> it would. Um, yeah, it probably just kind of depends on like the Kickstarter realm, too. Like, is, is there enough people that have shown interest or even people that are demanding in, in additional edition? Ooh, in addition, addition. No comment. Thanks. <laughs> where was i going here's what i said i got, I got I'll, lost I'll pick in up your trail i'll pick up your trail okay <laughs> thanks man. here's what i would say i would say it depends definitely on the game so i think if you make a really good game that's really solid maybe you don't need to make a second edition until it's outdated like the looks of it are outdated right so if you make hmm. a if you make a pretty solid game and there's nothing that's broken that needs to be fixed there's nothing you really want to add Maybe you just give it a solid 10, 15 years, and by then, it's time to update the look and the feel of the game, right? And then you can resell it to all those people that loved the original. Now they're getting the same thing, but it, lo it looks more current than it did than the 10, 15-year-old version, sure. right? So I would say that probably plays in. Whereas, if you have a game that's popular but also has problems or needs things to be changed or you found ways to change things, then maybe a second edition is called for much sooner after the release. If the, and it, yeah, kind of like, we haven't really talked about this game very much so far, but Viticulture is kind of like that. <laughs> Never heard of it. Sounds sounds like a garbage game, if I'm being honest, without the expansion. Yeah. Viticulture? What are you, cultivating Viti? <laughs> so th that actually leads me into another question, though, which is, are there games, Cody? Do you think there are possibly games that exist that will never, ever require a second edition? Whoa. I mean, I mean, never, ever, ever. Ah, I mean, that's that, that's kind of a loaded question because when, when you're taking eternity to it, okay, okay, fine, all right, all right, let's let's scale it down. Let's say, <laughs> let's say within the next thirty two thousand years. 30, let's, let's talk about the thirty within the next thirty years, because actually, modern uh, board gaming is it's 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 been a short a journey so far, you know, so. Like, 30 years is, I mean, I feel like that's kind of almost doubling. I don't know. I feel like once you go past, like, the 90s, you're, the, the, the board games are, are very, very different than they are today. Whereas, I feel mm -hmm. like the, the, the hobby of board gaming has grown so much and changed so much in that time that I feel like if you go another 30 years in the future, are there any games that would, would stand the test of time? <sighs> Yeah, that's tough because it's so hard to picture, like com comparing early 2000s games to, to modern current games, they they are quite different. Art Artwork is a, a huge priority yeah. now, and I don't think that's going to go away. That That's that's kind of what has defined 
almost like the modern gaming genre for the most part. I mean, some some other some other factors for sure, but it's it's one of the defining characteristics. But I guess I don't really know where you go from there. It's not like that's going to go away. I mean, maybe the art will just keep getting better and better. Mm. But it's like th- there's at the same time, there's so many different art styles within different games. You can have good art, but then have it be either cartoony or be like really realistic or like somewhere in between or just be abstract. Well, I, I think you're definitely on the right trail because I think artwork and production quality are kind of the two most important factors here. If you, first of all, if you make a game that's airtight, that's a really solid design, and but you make it with, with not very good art or not very good whatever, then maybe that calls in, in you know, 10, 15 years, that calls for a second edition, right, with better art. But think about games like Scythe. Mm-hmm. The art in Scythe will never, ever be <laughs> antiquated, right? I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it will never feel sure. out of date, I think. Scythe is always going to be a good-looking game. It will stand the test of time. Scythe is the one I've actually I've kept thinking about yeah. this because that to me that's one of the ones that possibly for eternity will be just fine. Like it's it's so well put together. It's already so well. I mean, just from playtesting, probably revised and, and fixed so many. This times. is where the difference between names come in because sure there might be a Scythe big box in the future. Actually, I think there is a Scythe. At least there's the box for it, but. Literally just yeah. a box. But yeah. there might be a Scythe <laughs> no game, comprehensive box. big box release in the future. There might be a Scythe deluxe release in the future, whatever. But I don't think there will ever be a Scythe second edition. And I would say the same goes for games like Root and maybe even Everdell. Like, like you were saying, Everdell, yeah, there's the big comprehensive box, but it's not a second edition. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there ever will be because these are all solid games that have really professional, really good art that I don't think is ever going to look out of date. Yeah. That does lead me to a question I had for you, though, that very much relates to this. Suppose that a second edition of something like Scythe came out, would you buy it? And if if that's conditional, like, what would it take for you to buy it? See, that's such a hard question, because with Scythe, it's like, what do you fix? You know, what's, what's changing mm-hmm. exactly? Exactly. You know, I already have the base game. I have the expansions. It's amazing. It's flawless. It's like, don't do too much of a good thing. You know, it's like it's like TV shows that get drawn out for seven seasons when it would have been good to end after three. You know, it's hmm. like, don't just don't, don't just keep trying to sell me stuff. You know, if it's good how it is, leave it how it is. And if it's really good, it'll stand the test of time, you know. And so I don't think that there's anything that could get me to buy a second edition of a game like Scythe because I just don't like the fact a second edition would imply that there's things within the first edition that need to be changed. And I don't think that's the case mm. with Scythe. But again, we don't know we don't know how the hobby's gonna evolve. So maybe maybe that yeah, could be exactly. that could be wrong there. And you know what's interesting, right. actually? I just realized, I just saw recently that Gloomhaven's second edition was announced. I saw that. That's another game. But it's like why? I never would have thought. <laughs> I would have thought that they would never release a second edition for that, especially with Frosthaven, Jaws of the Lion, whatever. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But yeah, sure enough, it got announced. And so that kind of that kind of surprised me. Maybe it's a cash grab. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I have a question back for you. And I don't know if you've really thought about this in advance, but what is your favorite revised edition game? What is my favorite revised edition game? Yeah. And, it, and maybe it doesn't say revised in the title. Maybe it doesn't have anything about that, but it could be essential right. edition, second, whatever. Just like, what, what is your favorite game that is 
a reproduction of an original game? Unfortunately, I think I'm a little too new to the hobby, a little too inexperienced because off the top of my head, I can't think of, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't think of any games where I've played the first and the second edition. Hmm, and so I can't okay. really compare. Well, I guess, I guess what I'm talking about is not a comparison necessarily, but a game that you've played that you know is a reproduction of an original game. Uh, well, okay. So basically, uh, hmm, okay. I mean, that's, that's a, I guess that's an acceptable question. <laughs> it's kind of, kind Thanks. of weird. Thanks, man. Well, I mean, it's kind of weird because like, I feel like if I, you know, take Viticulture, for example, if I actually played Viticulture first edition and second edition, and a few other first and second editions of games, I could compare all those and say, yeah, this was the best second edition. Without having played the first editions of any of the seconds I've played, I mean, I guess I would actually have to say Viticulture. <laughs> Still. <laughs> tell me more about this game. I can't mate. tell you anything about the first edition, except I guess it didn't have the Grande Worker. Yeah, that's, that's uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> well, Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, for, for me, it's Brass Birmingham. Okay. But just based purely off of how high it is on my list and knowing that it is a revised edition. And But are you also aware of the changes from Lancashire? Not particularly, but I know it's different. <laughs> That's, and it's better. How do, you know Lancashire, how do you know it's better than Lancashire, though? It's ranked higher. <laughs> well, but again, that, that's, I guess... Maybe the question wasn't perfectly well phrased, but my, my goal wasn't to point out like a a disparity between the second edition and the first edition. Okay. It was literally just like, what game do you like the most that happens to be a new edition okay. of something Well, else? I have a really good follow-up question, Cody. What game in your collection most needs a second edition? Ooh, yeah. I, I was basically going to ask okay. you this okay. as well. Um, I, I already have my answer, though, since I was going to ask you Go something for it, like man. that. Terraforming Mars. You Wait, you own Terraforming Mars? Well, no, I guess it's not my collection, but ah, it, it is a game fool. that I would most want to be revised. Okay. I'll, I will accept that answer, but you have to give me another answer. In your collection, games you God, own. dang it. What needs a second edition? Mm. And I'll, I'll let you think. Hey, first I'll let you think, and I'll answer the question. <laughs> Terraforming Mars. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, that's, that's my actual answer, because unlike you, I actually own the game, so it's actually a valid answer. Oh, yeah, so, okay. But that, I mean, Terraforming Mars, I've talked about this enough. I won't beat a dead horse abysmal production quality it's just terrible the art mostly awful and inconsistent which is the worst part uh the cubes are awful they're like the shellac is like peeling off of all of them the the player mats are like barely even cardstock like everything about this game sucks man. it's like a piece of paper everything about this production sucks it's terrible desperately needs a second edition uh i would also say targi actually coming back to that little game Targi. Because huh. it's kind Targi's kind of it's already looking dated. It's not that old of a game, but it's already looking pretty old. It's a very has a very bland board presence, but the game is so interesting and unique. And I think it would really, yeah, really benefit from a second edition. So hmm. yeah, basically everything you just said about Terraforming Mars is what I yeah. had written down <laughs> regarding it. Um, it's an embarrassing production, right, my, honestly. It's just it's so sad. I know. Well, the other thing is the the whole implementation of uh, resources on cards, so like microbes yeah. and animals. That like they they really did a good job fixing that in Ares Expedition. Yes, they did. But in Terraforming Definitely. Mars, it's garbage. All right, Cody, I need your answer. 
I really don't have a good answer for you, honestly. Like looking through just on the Google Doc as a refresher of all the games I possess. Nothing. All of them are like they're they're pretty they're pretty fine. Wow. You know, you're telling me there's not a game in your collection that you not even needs, but that you just wish had a second edition. Well, well, you hey, you asked me okay. needs. Well, if like, you can't, of, of course, Cody, there's some that if I you're unable wish. to answer that question, you can you can change the wording to want to you want. <laughs> All right, excellent. I'm I might say don't say viticulture. I will strangle you virtually. Um, again, it, it, really hard to choose one, but one I might list would be the Quacks of Quedlinburg, and this is because after so many plays, the little tokens really start getting rubbed off. So yeah. I know there's like a, acrylic versions of them you can get, but an expansion that maybe just incorporates that could be pretty cool. This is this is one of those games where people are like, it's a necessary upgrade to get different mm-hmm. pieces because if you're playing the game, even moderately regularly, like they get worn down pretty quickly. So that's an yeah, acceptable really answer. Do. I also am not a huge Thank I'm not you. a huge fan of the art, but it's not so bad either. So like if they wanted to keep that. That's fine, I guess. It just needs a deluxe version, really. Yeah, I wonder if one exists. I have, I haven't actually looked for. There's that a to big see. box, but it's just a big box. It's just the expansions, you know, all in one thing. So, hmm. okay. Um, the only other one I'd say that I'd like to see a new edition of Nate is Castles of Burgundy. Don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> At least let the newest one be released before you demand the next one. <laughs> fine. Okay. Uh, actually, maybe by the time this episode's out, it's it's been released. I don't know. I'm not keeping tabs on it. I ain't interested. I love the game, but I, I already have the edition I want. Okay. Yeah. My last here. question. Who needs My that? last question. I don't know how many more you have, but I think this is a pretty interesting question. I I don't have any others, so let's just finish oh, man, with what I you got. I outdo you at every turn, Cody. Um, no, it's because my questions are better, so I need less of them. Okay. Well, let's let's see if you can say that after this question. When a second edition is, let's say, announced, or you find out about a second edition, what do you hope to see? Do you hope to see the same designer who designed the original game is doing the redesign? Do you hope to see a new designer, or do you hope to see uh, a combo of a new desire, a d- new designer mm. as well as the original? I mean, here's the thing. That, that can be pretty conditional. I'll, I'll answer the question you're asking but here's the deal like let's say jamie stegmeyer comes out and he's like i'm gonna redo mythotopia then i'd be like heck yeah i want to see jamie stegmeyer do mythotopia i'll <laughs> okay. buy that okay that's <laughs> <You> fair <know? laughs> but otherwise for the most part i'd want to see the original designer <sighs> yeah if, if it's a game that i really like i don't want to see anyone else really coming in. okay so if it, it's a game you, know? you like versus one okay so let's say let's say mythotopia for example First of all, by the way, listener, <laughs> listener, if you've never heard of this game, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, let's say Mythotopia Second Edition is announced. Uh, three people cheer, and would you hope to see Martin Wallace designing, Jamie Stegmaier designing, or both of them? Martin Wallace being the original designer. I'd probably say both. I feel like just to just, just to keep Martin Wallace's original input in there, but letting Jamie. Yeah, I feel it. like that's kind of the best answer, at least for me. To the question is that if the game's good enough that it's meriting a second edition, but also bad enough that it's meriting a second edition, then I want the original <laughs> designer in there still because I want him to have a say. Yeah, in it, you know, 
but it's kind of like the author of a book being on the, the production crew for the movie adaptation, right? It's like, I like to see that. You know, I know that the person who was originally in charge is still influencing. But also, if there are problems, then okay, let's bring in another well-known or, you know, well-acclaimed designer to, to help out and let's see what they do together. So I think in general, that would probably be the answer I would follow on for, for most things. Yeah. All right. Well, good work answering your own question, bud. <laughs> hey, what fun is it if I don't answer my own questions, Cody? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, the Viticulture Papa card back looks like Tom Hiddleston. Hey, hey, listener, you're still here. Oh my gosh, why? Tom Hiddleston. Why are you still, still here? Tom Hiddleston listens? Tom, how you doing, I'm man? I'm doing great. Thanks, man. Hey, I heard a while ago that maybe you're going to play the new James Bond. Is that, is that going to happen? That's not happening. It should be okay. Tom Hardy. But Tom Tom Hardy and Tom Hiddleston, if you guys would like, comment, subscribe. If you'd especially comment and say, this is Tom Hardy and I support this podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. But also subscribe, gosh dang it, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Why, 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 are, you, why are you just a leech? Why do you come and watch our episodes? Wow and listen or whatever and then you you never subscribe that was bold cody i would not threaten tom hardy like that face to face if i were you (laughs) he probably hasn't worked out in a while this is a terrible outro